excited to be here. Psyched. So excited. <laughs> so much so that you're jingling. <laughs> I'll keep that in the cup. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality, with an emphasis on BDSM kink and poly relationships. This week, after a bit of a hiatus, I am back to the podcast from our new home in the Detroit-ish area. As you can see, this week I'm joined by the lovely Katja. Hello. And the dog Comet. Woof. Hopefully he'll be a good boy and be nice and quiet. It's possible you may see him interrupt the podcast. If so, remember, it's Christmas time. <laughs> and dog filet... Hey. He does look very tasty. No, he doesn't. He looks like a giant piece of fried chicken. No, he's okay. It has been a couple of weeks. I intended to get back to the podcast much sooner. However, through a comedy of errors, I managed to bring every piece of audio video equipment I own, except for my camera and camera bag. It's possible it's here. It's possible that it's in a box mislabeled. It's possible that I left it in Virginia. But do not fear, I will be going back there for the second leg of the move. Because I am also a cabinet maker, in addition to being a very wicked fellow, moving me means moving two complete households in two different trucks. It's a lot, and this move in particular has been especially difficult. However, I'm here. The first leg went as smooth as I could have hoped. The unpacking part has been less smooth than I could have hoped. Sorry. Riveting content. <laughs> Simply riveting. But we're getting settled in. It's the holidays, so there's a lot going on. And I should have just given myself a much longer period of time. I did not think it was going to take me two solid weeks to move and unpack and get things back together. And I left out my camera bag with everything I need to stream specifically for this purpose. And the only thing I can imagine is somehow I left it in my workshop back in Virginia because I have looked through every box I brought here to no avail. But here we are. I'm recording with a webcam, literally, so this is not the most ideal production. However, look at this amazing set dressing that we have done. A tree, a fire, a Labrador, anything you could possibly want. It is the holidays, and we're very happy to wish you all a season's beatings and a happy new year. We hope that you guys have had time to visit family safely. We hope that you've had time to relax, have some eggnog, and all of those seasonal tidings that you might enjoy. We have been spreading out the holiday across all of our families, and we still have quite a few days of celebration yet to go. And then... We are going on vacation. We are. And I am very excited about that. We will be streaming from vacation. I will at least try to bring my laptop with me, so you'll get something very similar to this. So there will be an episode next Wednesday, hopefully on time. We'll be coming to you from snowy Utah. There better be snow, hopefully. We're taking our skis There is snow, way. trust me. I've been on the website today already looking at the, the depth of the snow base. Have you now? I have. We're good. It's good to know that you're on top of that. <laughs> I also know how many degrees it'll be when we arrive. How many degrees will it be? It'll be 17 degrees. On the day we arrive. Mm -hmm, I didn't tell you on purpose. Fahrenheit. <laughs> Fahrenheit. It's like negative two Celsius, right? Probably about. Somewhere around there. 
for our international viewers. I wanted to thank you all for being so supportive and patient during this move. It has been a lot of work and I'd hope to be back into the swing of things at least a week ago. But here we are. I wanted to say thank you to all the people who sent out well wishes during the move and sent me individual messages and well wishes. It was greatly appreciated during a very difficult time. For our Patreon supporters, you guys are absolute heroes and I cannot thank you enough. I want to send a special shout out to Carol and Timo, our most recent Patreon subscribers. As Katja is modeling here, we have the Wicked Ways mug. And I'll be sending those out as premiums to our top tier members. And also I will have them for sale if you would like to buy one. They are quite lovely, I believe. They feature the Wicked Ways crop logo. Oh, what's this you ask? Why, it's the Wicked Ways studio mug that I'm modeling for you. <laughs> Filled with delicious hot chocolate. Hmm. And perhaps a bit more than that. But yeah, these are a lot of fun. I will be making another round of these pretty soon. And if you are interested in purchasing one, drop me a note so I know how many I need to order. If you would like to become a patron, head over to our website, www.wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our studio links there, as well as links to our website. Yes, go to our website for links to our website. <laughs> you can find all of our studio links there. The podcast is hosted there. Links to our YouTube page and all of our adult sites as well as some fun behind-the-scenes material. There's also a link to our Patreon, or you can find us by searching Google for our Patreon, but you can't find us by searching Patreon for our Patreon, because they're a little squeamish about adult creators. So, now that I'm settled in Detroit, I will be continuing the BDSM 101 podcast, as there's still a lot of topics to talk about on that. I'll be bringing pod... I'll be bringing Katja onto the podcast. <laughs> I'll be bringing Katja onto the podcast more frequently to talk about her experiences as a sub in the scene. She's been in the scene as long as I have, so she has a lot of experience, a lot of things that she can give a lot of insight on uh, from a sub perspective and from a woman's perspective that I am obviously ill-equipped to do. I think that you will enjoy those podcasts quite a bit. Every time I have brought Katya on the podcast, it's been a very well-received episode. So it's clear that you guys like her and her point of view. Some things that I will be discussing very soon. We're going to talk about chastity. We're going to talk about the excitement that people derive from the more extreme kinks and why those kinks work for some people and other people may find them you know, completely beyond the pale and stuff they don't want to do. We're going to talk about how to press the envelope of your kinks safely and in a deliberate way. We're going to talk about how to pace a scene. We're going to talk about spanking versus slapping and other sorts of impact play. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to doing that has been a project I've wanted to start for some time is we're going to start producing a series of videos that are very much in the same vein of the BDSM 101 series as in this is how you do a spanking scene. And it's going to start with initial negotiation. It's going to go through the entire scene and it's going to feature aftercare. And these are kind of BDSM how-to videos. Obviously they won't be on YouTube. We will link to them from our site. We will link to them on our adult sites where you can see them. And they're not going to be produced in a way that's necessarily very erotic or very, I won't quite say that they're safe for work, 
but they're not going to be put out there as porn videos so much as this is how to play kink safely. That's something that I think that we can contribute to the community in a fun way, in a knowledgeable way. And sometimes it's much easier to show than it is to tell. So look forward to those in the new year. I'll be working with my lovely assistant, of course. So that's something that we'll be covering a range of BDSM related topics. Everything from how to have that initial conversation about limits and expectations all the way up to some fairly, you know, advanced forms of tying and BDSM bondage, impact plays, and some of the more extreme kinks that we get into. How to do those safely and how to do those in a way that is fulfilling to you and your partner. What to look out for, etc. So if you have any ideas for that series or things that you'd really like to see demonstrated in a BDSM setting, send that to me. As always, your questions and comments help me produce this podcast and give me an idea of what you find interesting and what you want to learn about. So while I have quite a store of questions that have been sent in, I'm always encouraging you to send in more and feedback on previous episodes. Things that you want to know more about or things that you felt that I was unclear about, I'm happy to discuss that further and in more detail. Something that I wanted to touch on in this episode, and we get this question quite a bit, was... How do you do a BDSM or DS style relationship long distance? And I've been wanting to bring Katya in on that subject because obviously she's the other half of that relationship. So you and I met how many years ago? Um, three and a half. Three and a half. And how did we meet? Well, I was a big fan of those early bunny videos. And um, at the time... Well, at first, I think I just I just emailed to say I was a fan. And then I knew we weren't, we were a few states apart, but not too unobtainably far apart. And um, I just wanted to play with both Sir and Bunny. I didn't come out and say that, but that's what I was kind of angling for, was, um, you know, letting him know that I was a real person and a real experienced player and I kind of directed him toward my FetLife profile um, to kind of illustrate, To I was hoping to get across to him that I was serious um, and he mostly ignored me. I mean, he sent me like a very kind, like a couple times he would send me like very nice, you know, two, possibly three sentence responses, um, but I couldn't really get him to take me seriously. <laughs> you say that we weren't insurmountably fall apart. You yeah. were in Bali at the time. Well, I was in Bali, but I was only in Bali for like a month. You were on the other side of the world. Yeah, but only for a month. And I knew I was coming home. You expected And I was home. very... I had demonstrated my ability to get on a plane. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so and, and it's true. I, I get a lot of fan mail. I get a lot of fan mail, and a lot of it is along those lines of, I really like your videos, I would love to play with you sometime. And, you know, as a guy, it's deeply flattering when someone writes you and says that. I can tell you that outside of my porn experience, the number of times that attractive women have approached me and said that they wanted to do anything with me is zero. It's just not something that guys experience a lot and i know that it's kind of the opposite for women you guys tend to get a lot of advances from strangers 
guys don't get advances from strangers. It's very rare. So especially at first, and you wrote me right around the time we first started. So we, we had probably been making videos for maybe six months when you first reached out. You know, especially at first, I was very skeptical and still am pretty skeptical when I receive those messages. And that's because I receive so many. I receive one or two a day, usually. And a lot of the time, I, I try to respond to every piece of fan mail we get, regardless of what it says, regardless of, you know, how serious I think it is. I do try to respond because I enjoy that one-on-one -on -one connection with our fans, whether it's through the podcast or through our video work. I enjoy that conversation. But I found that it's extremely rare that it ever goes beyond one or two messages. Someone will write and say that they really like our work and that they'd love to work with me sometime. And I respond as I always do, you know, I'm, you know, I'm happy to entertain that. This is how it works. And I actually have, I have kind of a boilerplate text file that I'll send to people that tell them what's involved if they actually wanted to come film with Wicked Ways Studios. Sometimes those conversations get very detailed and I put a lot of time and effort into them. The number of times that they actually pan out and the person actually shows up to film is exceedingly rare. In fact, it's so rare that I can count them on one hand. Katya, Sadie, Ruby, and Lavender. So out of all of the offers I've had to film with people, four people have actually showed up. So on my side, that makes me very hesitant to invest a huge amount of time and really get my hopes up and, and invest the time and energy it takes to bring someone along when I know that 99 times out of 100, it's not going to come of anything. So with me, when I'm communicating with somebody online, it's the ball is basically in their court. If they continue to write to me, I will continue to write back. I won't give a whole lot to those conversations. Like Katja said, I'm, I'll give three or four lines and that's mainly me kind of weeding out people that are only looking for that initial kind of excitement and rush of, oh, I didn't think you would write back, which is what I usually get on that first message. People send something very nice and very flattering. I'll write back and say, thank you very much. I appreciate you reaching out. And a lot of times the response I get is, oh my goodness, I never thought you would ever write back. I don't know what to say now. And sometimes that's the end of the conversation. Other times I've made some pretty significant friendships with people that I still speak to regularly. I got it. <laughs> and I consider them friends, people that, you know, I've met through porn, through that fan interaction that I've never met in person, but that I consider friends of mine in the broadest sense of friends. So I, I really do enjoy that interaction. I enjoy it when I can give advice and can help people out. But when people initially reach out to me and say that they want to film with me, I take it with a considerable grain of salt, which is why you had a hard time yeah. convincing me that you were a real person. But you were very tenacious. and As I tend to be in life. I realized that, okay, maybe this person really does want this to happen. Yeah. So about how long did we communicate before we actually met? Um, well, okay. So we had exchanged just very few messages, I would say from January to May of 2018, right? So, so really we first communicated about four years ago, but 
the first, say, six months, it was practically nothing. By that time, by May, I had I had been in a poly relationship. So early on, what I all I really wanted was really the four of us to play together. <laughs> but it, by May, I had broken up and I wasn't in that relationship. And Sir had posted a video um, with Bunny, but where you could see much more of his body than you could in any of the other videos. And that was really the trigger. It's not because of just what his body looked like, but it was the movement um, made me think, it, it gave me a wow because as a woman, you don't tend to see a lot during sex, right? So either the man is kind of on top of you and you might see his face and shoulders, or the man is behind you and you don't see him at all. And so that video really wowed me. Um, and it really made me think, oh my God, that's what men look like when they're fucking you. That is so hot. And so that's what made me... <laughs> <laughs> That's what made me just really be like, okay, now he's really going to pay attention to me. And but you had certainly watched porn before. I, I was not yeah, your first porn experience. I mean, no, but like, think about the other porn I watch, right? I mean, the other porn I watch, there's a lot of, it centers on women so much, right? So the camera work centers on women. And yeah, so the camera work just tends to center on women. There doesn't tend to be a lot of like full body shots where you really can't even see the woman that much in the particular video I'm thinking of. And it's really the man's body is, and the way the man's body moves is the focus of the shot. That's really pretty rare. There's a whole genre of porn that you would enjoy. But is it all so BDSM at the same time? Because it's not, I'm not interested. There's a lot of really good kink and gay BDSM stuff. Okay. Well, I haven't found it yet. A I lot was... of hetero women enjoy gay porn specifically because it's it is focused more male on both bodies, not yeah. just the receiving partner. And there's a lot of kinky stuff. They they kind of excel in, in kinky porn. Because I think most of the porn I was watching at that point before I found yours was kink.com stuff. Yeah. There there are things about those videos I loved, but they tended to be focused on, you know, humiliation of the woman so the men could be totally clothed, right? Or gangbang stuff where the again, the men are pretty much closed except they might pull their penis out, right? So so yeah, it was it was new and it made me really determined that you would actually pay attention to me. Especially in our first videos, we were throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, trying to figure out what our niche was going to be, what would fit. And since I was very new to making these videos, I didn't understand a lot about how to set cameras up and lighting and such. So our, our first videos aren't the best quality as far as video. It's very likely that the video you saw looked the way it did because that's where the camera got set. It yeah. wasn't because I had made the choice of, I'm going to show myself more. But you should. I, I, you'd be surprised so i get a lot of feedback on our videos some positive some negative it's very clear what what women want to see in our porn and what men want to see in our porn are kind of diametrically opposed and for guys there's a lot of wish fulfillment and a lot of they want that vicarious idea that they're there so they don't want to hear the guy they don't want to see the guy the guy is, if he could be a detachable penis, that would be perfect. Right. Because the more he's in the scene, the more vocal he is, the more they see his body, the harder it is for them to vicariously imagine themselves in that position. That's why POV porn is so very popular because it's very much like 
oh, I'm doing this. Right. For my female fans, it's kind of the opposite. They want to hear more of me. They want to see more of me. They're not as interested in the woman in the scene. And I found that you can't really do both. I haven't found a good way to do both. I've literally considered setting up, you know, two sets of cameras and two sets of sound so that I could produce the same video, one for a male gaze and one for a female gaze. And I might experiment with something like that and literally put out two different versions of the same video. You, if you look at our comments, you can see it. You know, it'll say, oh my goodness, he has the most sexy voice. I could listen to him all day long. The next comment down, I wish he would shut up. He's ruining everything. <laughs> Every time he makes a sound, it takes me out of the moment. And that is how I get you. Know, it's, it's one or the other. Fortunately, I, I do have a very robust uh, female and gay fan base that make it worth my while to make the kind of stuff we want to make because... I don't necessarily intend on being very vocal. I just don't prevent myself from being vocal. You know, I don't purposely be quiet. I certainly can. And that's something that I had to learn from partners of mine who enjoyed that because guys are encouraged very much to be quiet. We see it in porn. So we think, oh, well, guys aren't supposed to make noise. Women are supposed to make noise and guys are supposed to be quiet. That's the message we get. And just in general, I don't think guys are encouraged very much to be vocal in sex, at least not in mainstream porn. So I will continue to make the kind of videos I make, but yeah, I might try to straddle that line and make stuff that is more female friendly and more men friendly. Kind of like the same reason that we have gravitated towards the rougher end of our content is that it's difficult in this environment for stuff to be popular and for it to sell. It can't just be a labor of love where we're making exactly what we want to see because what we want to see may not be very popular. And if it's not very popular, it's very difficult to have any return on that investment. Why is that important? Well, because we don't need to film when we have sex. Like it's a lot of work and it's a lot of work to edit and promote that content. So when we're doing stuff just for us and enjoying stuff just for ourselves, we don't turn the cameras on. So if we're going to go through the effort of producing that kind of porn, it does have to return an investment. And that is the biggest trouble we have is figuring out what sticks to the wall, figuring out what's going to be popular and figuring out what will keep us relevant as far as producing rough content, which is what sells for us, but also not too rough so that it gets taken down because of the current disnification of the porn industry. Sorry, a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> so after we had been talking online and having a lot of phone calls in that time, you had expressed at least an interest in filming. You, wouldn't, you hadn't really approached me originally as, I want to film with you. You had approached me as, I want to be with you. I, I really like you individually. Um, but I'm sure that your interest in filming might have encouraged me to make this happen. But during that time, you know, we talked about your kinky history. We talked about the things that you enjoyed. We talked about the kind of porn you like to watch. And we had basic discussions on, you know, what kind of sexual safety would be involved. We talked about, you know, hard limits that you might have. And that all happened before there was ever an in-person meeting. But going from that online meeting to the in-person meeting, isn't that different from how you would negotiate a vanilla 
dating relationship. You meet somebody online, you find a way to meet up and see if you're compatible in person. What I was actually more interested in is not necessarily how we met the first time, Mm -hmm. but how we went from meeting and then deciding to have a long distance DS relationship. Mm -hmm. So do you remember, did you approach and say that you wanted to be a sub? Well, I think... I th- I'm not really sure exactly at what point this happened, but I think that feelings just developed pretty quickly. So I think, you know, initially it was, I think this would be really fun. Let's get together and see what happens. I never approach people and say, would you like to be my sub? That's something that I always hang back and allow them to express the interest in. Right. I know that we played during mm-hmm. our first visit, we we started with some fairly light stuff. In fact, some very light stuff. But we ended up playing some pretty... Um, I wouldn't go so far as advanced, but for example, you enjoy wrestling. So you had to <laughs> yeah. express an interest in wrestling. <laughs> that was fun. We did some wrestling. We did some light tying. And we did some medium rough stuff. Mm-hmm. But nothing very extreme. You felt safe enough in that situation. You really have to be your own judge in this. You know, would I advise every person to meet somebody and immediately start doing kinky stuff? Maybe, maybe not. You have to go with your own judgment because, you know, obviously in this case, everything was fine. We were both responsible. We both knew what we were doing. We were experienced kinksters. And so it was fairly easy for us to be like, oh, you know, you like this kind of play. Well, I like this kind of play. And we were able to quickly mesh together and Katya felt safe enough to allow me to tie her up, for example. Obviously, that could have been a dangerous situation in different circumstances. Right. So... May I interject? Sure. So I would say, too, that um, while it's true that, like I said, I tend to do things very quickly, <laughs> keep in mind that that's against a background of having been in this scene since I was 18 years old. And having a lot of experience and a lot of, like, not a lot of people get through the front door, right? So once I've made that decision, once I feel good about somebody, then yeah, kind of no holds barred, I think is the phrase. But um, but I have, I, not a lot of people get through that door at all. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is simply that it happened quickly, but at the same time, it happened quickly because I felt so convinced you were the real deal, right? And I've, I feel like I've been around in the scene enough to have developed that judgment. So that is a very good point in that I had been in the scene for a significant amount of time. I think you would have been able to tell very quickly if I didn't know what I was doing. Extremely quickly. <laughs> like if I had shown up and I didn't know how to play, I didn't know right. the ropes specifically, if I didn't know how BDSM worked, I don't think you would have been quite as eager to yeah. start and play. And you, that's something I would have figured out in the first phone call or two. Sure. You never would have been at my house. <laughs> so that, and there is a level of experience there. There's a level of comfortability that you will you will know when you're talking with another experienced kingster. That doesn't necessarily mean that you guys are going to mesh. Right. Know, we could have had very different styles of play. Mm-hmm. But I felt comfortable with you. You felt comfortable with me. And I think we both enjoyed those that first session quite a bit. There's a lot going on in my life and in Koch's life at that time. I certainly felt comfortable enough with her that I was like, 
yeah, I've met you. I know you. I'm perfectly happy moving forward as you are being a part of my life. This, this works. I enjoy your personality. How we went from that initial partnership mm-hmm. to where we are now, that's kind of the, the gist of where I'm trying to get to in mm-hmm. that. So when we made that initial transition from being friends and partners to actually establishing a DS relationship, you'll remember that I was very reticent and very hesitant to do that for a particular reason. Right, because of the distance and you weren't sure that we could maintain the dynamic, I think. It is difficult. It's especially difficult because I don't really do episodic play casually and kind of at random. I don't have a lot of emotional investment in that. It doesn't interest me just to go do scenes on occasion. So when I have a DS relationship with someone, it really is a person-to-person relationship, and that relationship is what I'm interested in. Maintaining that over a great distance, because at that time, neither one of us really saw a future where we would be living together. Right. You were stuck in a certain place because of your parental obligations. Right. And I had a partnership that had lasted four or five years at that point, and I wasn't about to just up and leave. So at that time, we were looking at this could be an indefinite amount of time, possibly forever, of us being DS, being Dom and Sub, and never living together, never even living in the same state. Right. What would that look like? How would we maintain that? Would you be able to do it? Would you be fulfilled in doing it? Would I be able to fulfill your needs in that? So... Do you remember those initial conversations? Well, I mean, I remember, I mean, yeah, sure. I remember, um, you know, in terms of the logistics, what we talked about from the beginning is what we ended up doing for the first couple years of our relationship, which was one week a month. Mm-hmm. Either I would go there or you would come to me. Um, but of course, I don't think that was really the concern as much because I, I think... Well, I don't know. You you may at the beginning have had some question in your mind about whether I would really keep coming, but but I knew I would. <laughs> I knew I would. I, it wasn't the coming part. Right. I think it was it, the space in between. Visits. Yeah. Yeah. So no, and I always sensed that that was really what the concern was, right? So how could we maintain that dynamic without being a physical presence in one another's lives, you know, for three weeks out of a month? As a dom especially as a very strict Dom, and Dama has very clear, defined rules that I want followed, ideally, I should be able to do that over the phone. I should be able to say, this is your rule, do this thing. That's the ideal. I can tell you from long experience that that puts a lot of weight on the ability of the sub to self-govern and to self-regulate and to self-direct because if the dom isn't right there or at least in the same town to check up on and encourage and sometimes discipline you know that's really putting a lot of of responsibility on someone that's looking to you to take that responsibility right so i can come up with a sheet of rules and i can come up with some routines and i can come up with all kinds of way of being a dom from afar but at the end of the day if you don't feel like doing your obligations if you don't feel like following your rules there's literally nothing i can do about it right i can't show up on the spur of a moment and check and i also can't enforce my will other than calling and saying did you do these things 
So that is a difficult relationship. It is, I think it's much more difficult to maintain the enthusiasm, excitement, and just the fulfillment of being a dom and sub over a great distance when you don't see each other regularly. I think that is a hard thing to do. That is what I was concerned with you because I do take it so seriously. When I take someone into my household, it's a serious commitment of a relationship. It's not a casual thing. So what I try to avoid above all things is initiating what I think will be a failed DS relationship. And so you were a probationary member of the household for years, mm -hmm. for many years. And that was me waiting to see that you could do this. And for the most part, you were very good at being a remote sub. You were very good at following you. But there were things, there were things that we kept running into that would set that whole process back. It would be all these things are going well, but this one issue we keep having, this is the sticking point. Because if this doesn't become resolved, we can't move forward. You know, sometimes it's academic, the difference between, you know, you being a full member and you being a probationary member. But there are some large differences in my household, the way that I run things. And it was easier to work with you from afar as a probationary member. So that worked for me. What advice would you give a dominant sub that are trying to initiate a long distance? Well, um, you know, obviously a lot of this is going to come down to the personalities involved. I know that what helped me a lot was the regularity of our schedule, right? So I've been in other long distance relationships where I didn't know when we would see each other again. And that is extremely emotionally difficult. Knowing that I could go have this emotionally, I mean, also sometimes physically, but like more than anything else, like emotionally intense DS relationship or DS um, interaction one week a month, and then come home and put my head down and work really hard three weeks a month. <laughs> that having that regularity of schedule worked really well for me. We stayed in a lot of contact. So we talked every day, basically, yeah. um, you know, actually on the phone every day and then just kind of little hello texts, you know, various times of day usually. Um, so yeah, I think just maintaining close communication and also being able to depend on the regularity of getting those kind of in-person needs met. Those two things really worked for me. Something that we also did not as often as we should have, because I, I found them useful and I think you enjoyed them, was we would have remote sessions mm -hmm. where we would essentially FaceTime and we would have a more formalized session. You know, speaking on the phone every night is fine, you know, due to our, our relationship. Those conversations would be as a dominant sub. They'd be very relaxed. You know, the honorifics would be there, but you could talk about whatever you wanted. You could tell me about your day and what was going on. You'd want to know about my day. Versus in a session where it was, we're being very formal now, I expect you to maintain a certain posture. I'm going to ask you very pointed questions about your behavior and your rule set and just place you in a very 
session-like you know, situation, I could tell during those conversations that you were very much in a sub mm-hmm. in a subcategory. I don't think you ever went to a subspace. I don't think it's really possible remotely. Mm-hmm. But it was clear that you were taking it seriously and you were like, oh, this is time for serious play. Setting aside those sessions, and I would recommend doing more of those. Mm-hmm. They do tend to require more focus, more planning, more time. Often we try to do it for about an hour. Those were helpful. Mm-hmm. The regularity, of course, seeing you once a month. You know, for some people that even live in the same state, that's all they can do. And they don't always get a week together during right, that. Right, right. So that was helpful. I know that whenever we would have to extend, whenever there would be more time in between our sessions, that was very hard for you. Mm-hmm. But so in the last year when it's been longer because this move has been in the works and we haven't been able to to maintain the schedule that we did up until this point in our relationship, definitely I think that that did take a toll on my ability to stay in the right headspace with regard to the DS dynamic. However, you having advanced quite a bit in your understanding of how we work and also becoming a better sub... We had very few issues during that time. Whereas even before when we were seeing each other, you know, once a month, sometimes there were pretty serious behavioral problems. Even during those those short, you know, three week times, you would you would fall apart sometimes. Mm. Whereas even, you know, if it was a couple months between visits, which more than once it was during this move, we did not have any issues where it was like, okay, this is all falling apart. Mm-hmm. I was much more comfortable with you and you maintaining your role and showing me that you do, in fact, deserve your full full member status. I don't know if earlier in our relationship, in the first year of our relationship, if we hadn't seen each other for two months or three months, if you would have been able to hold it together mm-hmm. or even maintained your interest in it. If you would have been like, this is not working for me, I'm going to find something that I want more. Our relationship having grown to the point where we had decided to live together, part of that meant that you had come along in your security as a member of the household that you could go two months without a visit, three months without a visit. This last last push has been very difficult for all of us. If you had not been able to hold it together now, <laughs> we would not have made it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of the progress that you've made and the relationship that we have, you know, hammered out together. What works for you, what doesn't work for you, how this relationship can work for the both of us. Something that you had touched on earlier was that I do tend to have dual nature relationships where... I don't play 24-7. Even in a partnership where I live with somebody, we'll have a peer-to-peer relationship most of the time. Even if we have a formal DS relationship where, you know, on certain days, we're doing DS. The rest of the time, it's peer-to-peer. That didn't work well for you. You you weren't terribly comfortable trying a peer-to-peer. And we did try for a brief period of time. Yeah. No, and I do think that's kind of an interesting part of our our history is that at the beginning, that is definitely what we were doing, right? We were peer to like most of the time when we were interacting, um, we were peer to peer. And the only time we were really DS was in formal session. And during, you know, like the first visit, 
you know, we had one day where it was all day very formal. And then, of course, like in sex, a DS dynamic comes out, right? But not, but I, like I wasn't allowed to call you sir or anything like that. So I think the thing was, I was trying. <laughs> but, it, but for me, it just felt like I was, I couldn't not feel submissive to you. And so I was just pretending, like, so most of our relationship was me pretending to be peer to peer, but secretly longing for a firm hand. It, it was very <laughs> so the, the problem was, is that you were very ill at ease. And yeah. you didn't seem natural. You didn't seem relaxed and in, enjoying a dinner together. It, kind of the opposite. Normally, when people start a DS relationship, they're very on edge and nervous when they're in session because they don't want to make a mistake. <laughs> you were very comfortable in session. It's yeah. when we were having dinner peer to peer that you would be very edgy and agitated and not. Well, because I think yourself. I, I always, I, I never didn't have. I always had this underlying desire, right? Like mm -hmm. it was it was like calling you sir or acting submissive was this thing that I wasn't allowed to do that I always wanted to do, you know? And I, I would often have to correct you. Yeah. <laughs> We've developed a modified form of 24-7. We do have a 24-7 relationship, mm -hmm. but our relationship looks more like this day to day than a full session would look. Our sessions look very different than this kind of relaxed conversation we're having. And this is pretty much what our day-to-day -day life looks like. Living together, it's more relaxed than a, a session would be. Mm -hmm. But there is still leadership in a top-down fashion. Mm -hmm. There is still a certain amount of deference and a certain amount of rule following. There are certain things you're allowed and certain things you're not allowed. And how does that work? even when I'm making you lunch, for example? Well, I mean, in some sense, that's very DS because <laughs> it's probably gonna be much healthier than something I would choose for myself. <laughs> sure. In the classic DS rule, shouldn't you be making my right. lunch? Um, I suppose, right? I mean, yes, that's certainly true, but it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like service. I mean, I, th I just think like any good relationship, we are a cooperative team where, you know, wh whoever makes the most sense to do a particular thing usually is the one doing it. And no, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that then. I put you, I put you on the spot for because it is a difficult conversation. I think a lot of people that don't really understand how DS work. Yeah would look at that and think, well, that's just not a DS relationship. If I'm making you lunch, then I'm not the Dom, which is silly. Right. Because do you know why? Why is that silly? I don't know. Um, for me, our power dynamic just is, right? It's, it is. it's internal. It is who we are to each other. And it just doesn't matter. But when I make lunch for you, right? it's not service. When you make lunch for me, it is service. Right. How is that? Feelings. Feelings. Yeah, the f how I feel about it. <laughs> I mean, when I'm making lunch for you, it's because I am have the desire to please. I'm thinking very hard about what would like what would please you the most in terms of what I make and how I serve it. You know, if you make me lunch, it feels, I guess, like you're taking care of me. That and if, but and and in our style of DS feeling taken care of is, is part of it. 
right? It's like we, t- I think we mutually take care of each other, <laughs> but this is where I come back to feelings. To me, the the, the underlying feeling of is simply different. It is. It is different, and it's the same action, right? But it is different. You know, when I make you lunch, I am taking care of you, right? I'm taking care of my property property right <laughs> and i'm not necessarily interested if that's what you want for lunch <laughs> it's what you're going to have for lunch it's what i want you to have for lunch yeah. and i am grateful that and i don't, I don't, make, you, I don't make you a bowl of dry flour i'm making you something that's palatable but also healthy but exactly the same reason though if i know that you're working and it makes sense for me to make you lunch I'm happy to do that as my responsibility. You know, this is someone that I'm responsible for. So when I'm making it for you, I'm perfectly happy to make it for you. That's part of my job as part of having someone as your responsibility. But you don't have those same feelings when you're making me lunch. Because if you are making me lunch, it's because I've told you to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that you would do on your own without me telling you to do it. Because that's how our relationship works. And I feel like grateful that you're allowing me the opportunity sure. to make you a sandwich. But if I was to say do this thing, <laughs> yeah, it's coming from a very different place. You're not mm-hmm. taking care of your property. You are serving mm-hmm. me. Right. So I think people that are in the scene and understand how these power dynamics work, it would not be counterintuitive for them. You know, For me to make food for us or for you, that's me taking care of something that's my responsibility. If I was to give you that task, I would expect it done. I'd expect it done well. And you would approach it from the other side. You right. would approach it from the service side. When I do it, it's from the custodial side. Right. I think people who don't really get DS, even people who are trying to be very understanding, they see what we're doing as role play, right? Like they see like one person playing the role of being in charge and the other person playing the role of being submissive. Do you mean that as in like they're playing pretend, they're having a little play? Right. Like I think, yeah, I, I think that people who aren't really into DS and don't don't feel it, right? That's what they see. I think that they see like, oh, these people think it's hot to act this way sometimes and act the other way sometimes, you know. So, but they're right. Because for a lot of people, that is how they do BDS. But what I'm trying to explain is how we do it. <laughs> in, <laughs> right? in a 24-7 Right? Setting. Which is, to me, this does not feel like role play. And that's exactly the problem I was having when we were trying to do the dual relationship mm-hmm. is that the peer-to-peer, that was role play. Pretending that I did not have submissive feelings, that was the role play. This is just what I feel we are to each other, who we are to each other. <laughs> and so in that context, of course you making me lunch doesn't feel like you're serving me because it would never that would never even occur to me there's certainly room for both this relationship allows you to be fulfilled in this desire you have to be submissive to somebody someone that you respect and trust not just anybody as as we found sometimes you have a great deal of difficulty submitting to people but for other people it really is just a for fun for play for this is something that they enjoy doing occasionally but they would not desire to do it 24-7. Sure, sure. It wouldn't be the lifestyle they wanted. For people that do have that, you know, I want to do this all the time. Right. I think that it's harder for them to find 
a matching partner for that because as fulfilling as it is for you on the other side of that there's a lot of work that's involved there's a lot of i have to be in charge pretty much all the time and that's why you know for the most part we're very relaxed and if it's not i'm not telling you what socks to wear and what clothes to wear and what to do first thing in the morning every single day but i may sprinkle in throughout the day i want you to do this thing just to have that little nudge that reminder that that boundary layer um some people do have a 24 7 extremely serious you know you'll wear these socks today and you'll wear this pants and you know this for me that would quickly become exhausting and mm-hmm. it would be quickly become very not fun to do so i do expect you to have a a fair amount of independence where i don't have to dress you every day at the same time i'm perfectly fine being you know in charge of your schedule and your diet and what you're doing and when you're doing it and i think you take a lot of comfort and enjoyment in that in knowing that i will tell you you this is what we're doing when there's something you want to do Mm -hmm. you know how do you approach that are we talking about like a fun activity sure anything usually i'm just tell you there's this thing and wouldn't it be amazing (laughs) and <laughs> you're very enthusiastic. Yes. And then you just tell me if it would be amazing or not. <laughs> so you have certainly delegated enough control over stuff like that. Yeah. That if you wanted to go to a sporting event, sporting event, a 5K, a run, or something yeah. like that. Oh, I always ask permission before I go run a 5K. Why is that? Well, a couple reasons. One is because one thing you have control over is my finances, and there's always a race fee involved. <laughs> but I think the bigger um, the bigger thing is because I have a tendency to injure myself. <laughs> yeah. So you tend to be a bit over enthusiastic on things. Yes, you right. hold me back. <laughs> that that might also be why I have control over the finals. <laughs> financial situation as well (laughs) yeah these are negotiated boundaries sure but how does that work for you so look at the financial side right how frequently do i say no to something that you want to do if it were an experience not often at all if it is another physical object to bring into this house very frequently (laughs) So I act as a check on some of those impulse buys. Right. And never to like, you know, necessities or, or, you know, really important things. In truth, your necessities are still within your purview. Right. So when you go to the grocery store, you're free to get what you need at the grocery store. Right. It's maybe not getting a bunch more candles from Bed Bath & Beyond (laughs) that I might be like, I think we have enough. We have lots of candles at the moment. Right. So no, no more candles. And... For me, it's all the same. It doesn't matter what the individual issue is, whether it's financial, whether it's doing more exercise than you should be doing at the moment, or taking on you know, more responsibility, for example, something along those lines. You almost never say anything about my business, except for if I am so extremely overextended that you have ordered me to like not take on any new business. <laughs> Because I like a lot of these things, you you do tend to swing that pendulum a bit far. Right. 
And because of the nature of your business, sometimes there are slow periods. Right. And you you get anxiety about those slow periods, and then you tend to take on more. Feast or famine. And then you end up too busy. Right. And you end up wearing yourself out and being very stressed and very anxious and then not necessarily doing a very good job because you're so stressed and anxious. Right. So, and again, it's all the same. It's me trying to act as kind of a moderating check on that. Right. I'm not interested in controlling every aspect of your life. I'm not interested in, you know, approving every decision you make. I want you to have a fair amount of liberty to do those things. The only time it really affects me is when I see you go too far with something that ends up in my lap anyway, right? If you get too stressed out about work, that's going to end up in my lap. If you get too stressed out about finances, that's going to end up in my lap. And the things that I know are going to become difficulties for you, if I can hedge those off before they become difficulties, that's what I'm interested in. Because I want what? Happy, calm, and confident. Right. That's my goal for you as a sub, is that you are happy, calm, and confident. You're enjoying this relationship, that you feel confident and secure in this relationship, and that you're calm and relaxed and happy in your day-to-day life. And left to your own, sometimes you have more wild swings. (laughs) There's there's more, probably more times when you're ecstatic, and also more times when you're despondent. (laughs) I'm going for happy. I want that happy medium. You know, lashing out on another trip to Bali might make you ecstatic for the short (laughs) period. Then the bills come due and you might be a bit despondent. You wouldn't let me go to North Korea. I'm trying to tell you that it's not a good idea. But you will let me go to Russia. We are considering a trip to Russia. For our Russian fans... You might be seeing us on the Trans-Siberian Railroad. That's at some point. really as soon as COVID calms down, I'm on that. Katya is a very big traveler. I've I've traveled a lot in my life. I have not traveled in the last five or six years very much, just because of my work and what I've been doing. So we do look forward to traveling in the future. We would like to visit Europe. We have friends there that have extended very generous invitations. We'd like to see them. And you've always wanted to take a long train ride across northern Russia. Mm-hmm. I, I do have actual work-related reasons why. Well, not now, but a job I had 20 years ago. <laughs> so, we are going to continue this conversation in another episode. We've already been going on for quite some time. A long time, actually. So, we're going to bid you goodbye for now. Next week... I might just be releasing the second part of this episode. We'll see. As always, consent is king. Take good care of each other. And I'll see you next week. There you go. What am I going to do with a two hour long podcast? I know. I know. This one's going to be so much editing. Does it matter if in my head I just figured out it's closer to minus seven? No. Okay. (laughs) I'm a fucking idiot. Am I just that tired? Mm-hmm. A little bit of both, I think. <laughs> no, by all means. No, you're looking at me. <laughs> like you don't want me to say anything, and I don't know. <laughs> I have ways of making you not say anything. <laughs> Some of them are in that box. I guess there. the point... <laughs> We're on camera. You can't silently <laughs> shake your head. <laughs>